Aloha, party people. You are listening to Inside the Desert Oasis Room, episode number 143. This episode is sponsored by Tandawai Rum, the world's largest rum producer and winner of over 170 international medals in the past four decades. Check out their webpage at tandawaiusa.com or follow them on Facebook or Instagram at tandawaiusa. This episode is sponsored by the Tiki Bar T-Shirt Club, where their monthly t-shirt designs pay tribute to a Polynesian bar or restaurant from days long past. Each design is available for a limited time and will never be produced again. For the collectors out there, be sure to check out their subscription program, where they offer a discounted 3, 6, or 12-month plan, or you can always buy shirts one at a time. For more information and to check out this month's shirt, visit tikibartshirtclub.com. On this episode, we chat with Matt Petrick. Matt Petrick is the rum and cocktail enthusiast, author, and personality behind the popular spirits blog, Cocktail Wonk. He joins the podcast to chat about his new book, Minimalist Tiki. Learn about the concept behind Minimalist Tiki and hear the story of his journey from full-time tech writer to full-time rum writer. As always, I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as we did bringing it to you. And if you did, hit that subscribe button. Subscribing makes it easier for you to follow our adventures. Shares on your social media pages are always appreciated. And if you'd like to help support the show, go to DesertOasisRoom.com to pick up some merch or make a donation. This podcast does not survive without the help of its sponsors or its listeners. So every purchase or donation, no matter the size, is totally appreciated and helps keep this podcast coming to you every week. Okay, here he is, the cocktail wonk himself. Give it up for Matt Petrick. Hey, Matt. How's it going? Going great. How are you? I'm good, thanks. Thanks for joining the podcast. I appreciate you taking my call on this Aloha Friday. Yeah, it's 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 great. I'm very happy to do it. I have a book to promote and things to talk about, and so I'm really excited about this. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited about this new book that you guys have released. And I say you guys because I love how you stress that this was done in partnership with your wife. Yes, for for sure. Um, there's no way. There's no way that the book would have been the way it is without her. And there's actually no way that uh, Cocktail Wonk would be without her. Um, she she has a she has a fantastic editorial mind. She's a better writer than I am, and but I'm, I'm the one who who's sort of out okay. there in front of. Her. But she makes me she makes me sound sound even better than than I would on my own. Does she have a writing background? Is that her forte? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, she. Uh, Graduated with a journalism degree and was writing in magazines oh. and things like that. Oh, and she also, perfect. Yeah, she also worked at a one of the major, um, I should remember, one of the major uh, New York um, uh, publishers, you know, book publishers. So oh. she's copy edited um, tons and tons of books. And so she has, she has a very, very sharp pencil and, and uh, nothing gets by her. So Very nice. Very nice. Yeah. Oh, sounds like a perfect pairing then. 
Yes, for sure. And she's super smart as well. Like she, she's going to call me on my, you know, when I say something you know, <laughs> about rum or whatever, like she, she picks up, you don't have to tell yeah. her anything twice. She picks up on it. And, yeah. and like, I'm like, wow, that, that was a fantastic question. Thank yeah, you for yeah. that. Well, like what they say is behind every good man is a great woman. Yeah. And, and that, that's, that's all, all due to her. So. There you go. That's awesome. Awesome. Well, let me start by saying thank you for sending me a copy of your new book. Oh, you're very, you're very welcome. You know, I, I figured, you know, it's important that, that people like you who are sort of visible in the Tiki community and, and you know, and even broader communities that they have an opportunity to see it and, you know, maybe, you know, share it in a, you know, in a wider context yeah. than what I can do on my own. So, yeah, yeah. I'm excited yeah. to try some of the recipes out in here. I haven't tried any of the recipes yet, but I have been digging through the content. So, okay. and it's, it flows very well. It's written very well. And, yeah, and so I'm excited about really getting into some of the stuff that's in here. Yeah. Before we go any deeper into the book, though, let's give people a little bit about your background. For those that aren't familiar with where you came from, tell me a little bit about the origin story of Cocktail Wonk. Okay, so um, uh, I've been I was in technology for about 30 years, uh, started in software and late 1980s and around, I want to say 1993 or 1994, um, I started, you know, some people, you know, very influential people you know, said like, you should be writing about this computer stuff. And I, and, you know, I, I seemed to have a knack even then of being able to take really complicated things and basically break them down and explain them in a simpler way. And so I kind of started this career, sort of second career, that eventually sort of almost eclipsed my main uh, software job, which is basically writing about things, writing about how Microsoft Windows works and things like that. And, you know, I was writing you know, weekly or monthly columns, and I'd written a couple of books about how Windows works. And, um, you know, that sort of like, you know, faded after a while. Fast forward, um, I don't know, uh, eight, ten years after that kind of I kind of stopped doing that. Um, I was starting to get into to cocktails and spirits and, you know, tiki drinks and, you know, pina coladas and things like that. And um, uh, my wife uh, basically said, I love you, honey, but you need to tell somebody else all this stuff. <laughs> you can't tell it all to me. <laughs> and, and, and I'll say as well, part of it was also that uh, in 2007, uh, we uh, I was working for Microsoft at the time, and we had bought a mid-century house, a 1949 house uh -huh. in Seattle that hadn't been touched uh, for you know since it was built basically. And there was an area downstairs where like a very rudimentary bar, uh, like almost like a pool bar. It was really just sort of like a flat countertop and and uh, some shelves and stuff, but it was like the perfect space for a bar. And we said, okay, we're going to gut this house. We're going to renovate it. We're going to make it, you know, really make it really amazing. And uh -huh. I said, well, let's let's put a little, you know, like, let's put a little bar there and you know do it right. And so it had a, it had a you know an under counter refrigerator freezer. It had a clear ice maker. It had shelves above the bar that you know I naively thought, oh, this will hold all the glassware and all the spirits I'll ever need. Ha ha ha. I naively uh, thought the same thing when I built my bar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like it's just gonna run away with you. Yeah, yeah. But I, but yeah. So we basically built this, um, sort of built this bar, you know, just thinking like, you know, I'm gonna make some fun drinks, you know, make some dark and stormies. Um, but 
you know, my my being prone to, to take something that I enjoy and just take it to the nth degree, you know, soon I mm. was, I would, you know, make it more complicated drinks, you know, and reading Jeff Berry's book and, and, you know, struggling with Washington state, you know, liquor stores and like, why, why can I find any of these rums mm-hmm. uh, that, that I want? And so it was a, it was a confluence of different events. Um, but it, you know, ended up like that little bar downstairs in our house in Seattle became sort of like my laboratory and yeah, yeah. you know grew and grew and grew and and um you know you know i sort of ventured out sort of like split off in two directions one being sort of you know rum wonkery and the other being being tiki cocktails you know, they're, they're oh, so now i understand the name cocktail wonk yes exactly okay. it, it's, it's, it's funny it's kind of confusing like in europe apparently it means or like in england at least it means sort of like soft in the head or or a little not quite right. Oh so, yeah, 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 English. yeah, yeah, yeah. So they're like, why, why in the hell would you name yourself cocktail walk? Yeah, uh, you know. And I always have to explain. It's like, oh, you know, like Bill Clinton was a policy wonk. You know, in that that kind of context. Gotcha, gotcha. Uh, okay, makes sense now. Yeah. Okay. Now, yeah. was that space, that basement, was it a tiki space? Oh, not at all. Um, I tried desperately to make it into a tiki space. Okay. But 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 Carrie, who my wife, who is an interior designer, a very very accomplished interior designer on her own accord, uh-huh. uh, so so she has certain tastes. And mid century modern is fine. Full on tiki in our basement is right, right, fine. right. So yeah. I got you know I was like yeah I, I had some of the you know like the tiki carvings and and all the glassware and things like that. But but I was not able to 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 take over the basement sure. with, with a full on tiki bar. Sure, yeah. Now, what I'm curious about, too, is, you know, a lot of people enter tiki and or cocktails from different directions, right? I've always said that tiki touches so many other subgenres, including surf culture, hot rod culture, rockabilly, vintage culture, mid-century, anything from furniture to architecture, and then, of course, cocktails. I'm curious if you entered cocktails through tiki or did you find tiki through cocktails or did they come together how did that work yeah how did that work um so i'll I'll add on to what you just said there before i answer um i've I've said before um there's actually a talk i give i said i think of tiki as a as a cultural snowball and Mm -hmm. sort of as it travels through the decades it kind of uh picks up sort of whatever the current sort of ethos of the time is. So, you know, in the forties we got, you know, it was war and we got like the Navy grog and then fifties the we had, you know, space and jets and get like the jet pilot and some things like that, you know, and even in today's era, we start seeing like things like horror and clay and, and things like that, where it sort of picks up the sort of like goth tiki aspect or goth sort of horror aspect of mm-hmm. it. Sort of, it always sort of pulls in whatever whatever the people who love who love tiki sort of whatever they love it sort of pulls that in right right um, and you know and I've also said sort of like tiki like you said all the sub sub genres it's like like anybody's sort of love for tiki is sort of like pick three from the list you know, yeah three I know right the list pick your thing so yeah so yeah so in terms of cocktails and tiki and or which was first I think. You know, I will honestly say that like my desire for tropical drinks was always, you know, sort of led the way in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it didn't take me very long before I was like, you know, I started to build up a little bar with the various ingredients. And, you know, I'd be at the liquor store. I'm like, hmm, what's this? Okay, right. what is it? 
you know, what's this spirit? You know, what's this liqueur? And so I think it was that that sort of sort of made me branch out into craft cocktails as well. The 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 notion of of not not doing everything tiki. I mean, most of what I make is tiki, but I can also make a mean you know Negroni, a mean uh, you know Manhattan. You know, I I believe in understanding the entire cocktail canon and where it comes from. Sure. Um, but you know, my my first love will always be tiki. Right. Gotcha. Gotcha. You have this book now, right? So there was a time when that wasn't even probably, you know, even on your radar. How how long was that before you had decided to embark on this project? I mean, how long were you a basement bartender right. before you felt like, you know what, I think I, th- I think I want to write a right. book about this? Yeah, great question. So let's see. Let me let's figure it out. Um, I I think I would say sort of my genesis of my uh, basement bartending was around 2008. Let's call it the early days. Mm-hmm. And um, the blog started around 2013, and that was simply just like, hey, gets I have some information. Let's get it out there. Let's you know, you know spread it with the community a little bit. Um, it. I think it was around 2015 that I wrote an, a a um, post on Cocktail Long that was called basically Minimal Sticky something something something, and it got great response, and it became became um, uh, sort of my most popular post consistently, like month after month. I had up there, and uh, at some point. You know, by 2017 or so, I was like, you know, I think I want to write a book, but I think I you know, wanted to be about rum. Mm-hmm. And no publishers were gonna were gonna touch that for whatever reason. Um, but one of them said, you know, we you know we like what you're doing, but if you want to write a different book, like a cocktail book, like we're, we'd be known with that. And it was as actually uh, Carrie, you know, my wife, who said, "Is like you need to do minimalist tiki as a book." And I was resistant. Like I was, I was going to fight. I was going to work towards this rum book, and I was going to make some publisher pick up a rum book. Um, right. Um, and I fought it for like a year, and and she just kept going. Like, look, if you don't write this book, if you don't write this book, somebody else is going to write that book, and you're going to be really pissed off. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it finally <laughs> sunk in. Um, you know, and I would say it was probably mid 2018 when we started basically about a year ago just yeah, about a year ago yeah. we, we said you know okay we both for various reasons decided we wanted to like you know quit our quit our long-term careers and go do something new for you know, i wanted to focus full-time on being a writer right uh, and carrie was uh had, had planned to go to grad school in fact she just started grad school uh on tuesday this past tuesday congratulations uh, yeah yeah uh, i'll tell i'll tell her that yeah uh, but um essentially okay so you know there's there's that moment of like i want to quit my job and do this okay i've decided to do that now now what do i do right right okay i'm taking a leap off this cliff and what's my first thing gonna be how am i gonna try to make some money so um the you know my desire to write a book probably going back, went back two years ago, but the, the sort of like oh we're gonna do it come hell or high water was actually only about a year ago Okay. Okay. Wow. So things went really fast then because like in a year, that's pretty crazy. What was your approach? I mean, did did you look for a publisher first? Did you have something already written that you could shop around? Um, So I had, I had an outline 
Um, but based on my experience with the publishers um, that I checked, you know, I had I had a literary agent and was trying to get my, get my book picked up by the rum book picked up by a publisher, and just just some sort of watching that process. Uh, and talking to people, you know, like I have various from writer friends, you know, people like Fred Minnick and Karen Newman and people like that. Just from from just from talking with these people, like, you know, you, if you go with a publisher, you know, so like you're beholden to their to their timelines and they ultimately have a lot of power over what the book's gonna look mm-hmm. like. Mm-hmm. And and at the end of the day, the reality is, is that, you know, unless your book is super successful, like at the Smuggler's Cove book, for example, you know, you'll sell, you know, 2,000, 5,000 copies. And if you're lucky, you'll you'll at least earn what your advance is, which may be $5,000 or $1,000. Like you're going to work. You're going to put an incredible amount of work and basically make, you know, like minimum wage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that's when we had the, the, the notion of like, you know, we could self-publish, but but, uh, you know, which will give us exactly what we want. But then we were looking at um, at print on demand and the book we wanted to write was going to be like thirty dollars to print. And we're like, well, nobody's going to write this. Yeah. And then it was actually another uh, I, uh, author, a, a bourbon writer who basically said, like, look at print brokers. Look at look at look at them. Like you, you have to pay all the money up front. Uh, you know, you're taking all the hit for that for that. But and you have to order like a minimum number of copies. Uh, but if you want to get the price of the book down to where where it's reasonable and you could sell it and make a reasonable profit, uh, look at a print broker. And so we you know did did the homework, you know, figured out like how long we thought it was going to be, and and basically said like you know these numbers kind of pencil out that we can we can actually do this. Like if we do everything ourselves, short of actually running a printing press, uh, we can we can right um, right pull this off now in terms of um you know did i have an outline or whatever you know the, the first the, the book as it stands now i sort of think of it it's actually four sections but i sort of think of it as three sections um i knew the first section you know that that was the core of the book that was like basically sure you know, yeah most minimalist tiki the concept of it and then going beyond minimalist tiki that that was like that was like base that was i knew i was going to do that and then the rum section was like damn it i'm, I'm gonna write about rum yeah, if yeah. i don't get to write my rum book right away at least i'm gonna like talk about give you like a pretty heavy dose of, of rum knowledge yeah you know in a smaller section in the book and then the last the last section of the book basically last half of the book which is the bartenders and bars you know and sharing their recipes that that was you know it, you know somewhat cynically i'd say that was that was my attempt to to you know, I don't, I don't want to say pad out the book, but it's like that was that would make the book long enough to where it would be a, gotcha. you know, a, book, a viable real book and not not uh, like something not 120 pages or something like right. that. Um, and 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 that idea came about as well because there are people out there like uh, like in Seattle at the time, like um, Jason Alexander, Justin Wozlaw, and some other people like Oriol Elias in Spain who are just like, they're doing great stuff. They oh, yeah, yeah. Their, their Instagram feeds are like, here's this recipe and here's that recipe. Yeah. You know, when they're there, you know, I called them the modern tiki warriors, if you will, and, and Carrie didn't like that term. Uh, we have tiki <laughs> vanguard instead. <laughs> but like, these are the people you know, who are doing great stuff. And, and, you know, we, we love Martin Kate and we love Jeff Berry and they've done an immense amount for a community. But I thought, you know, I want to spread some of that love out there. I want to, I want to get other people, you know, like when you're looking for 
who's on the forefront of modern geeky here's a whole bunch more names and a whole bunch more bars sure, uh, you can sure. look at for that that those things got it was sort of the, the book addressed all of my sort of pet peeves all at once so to speak yeah and you have to have those recipes in there i mean you can't have a book about spirits and rum without having <clears throat> a good collection of cocktails and co- and recipes to yeah, to yeah. to play I, with you know and i have a few of my own you know which are in there I'm uh, you know, pretty, you know, pretty, you know, I'm pretty proud of the recipes I have that are in there, but you know, I, I wanted, you know, wanted to, again, celebrate the other bartenders and, and I did give them you know, very specific instructions like please try to tailor your recipes so that an enthusiast home bartender could, could make them basically like, here's your opportunity right, right. To, get, to get a recipe that becomes a modern classic. And, you know, sure, if you if you want to include some ingredient that takes four days to, to create and nobody's going to ever actually, you know, create the way you're doing it, you know, the, nobody's going to ever make your recipe. But if you give me things that, you know, an enthusiast to, you know, who has, you know, Campari and Mezcal, you know, and can, you know, can make a can make a nutmeg syrup, you know, reasonably easy. Give me recipes like that. Like, here's right. your opportunity to get your to get your your sort of genius out there in front of a in front of the home enthusiast crowd. So I want to talk about that too, because with the title of the book, minimalist Tiki, it, it sounds like an oxymoron. Yes. And, and that's, and that's actually, that's actually the, that's addressed in the very first sentence. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's, it's all in the book. And mm-hmm. so for our listener that doesn't know what that means, oh, let's fine. explain what minimalist Tiki mm-hmm. is. And, and so I, because I know what you're saying about the recipes and and mm-hmm. and the bartenders, like you know, this is your chance to create a, a modern classic, and the recipes have to fit this particular style right. that you write about of minimalist tiki. So let's talk about minimalist tiki. What exactly does that mean for the listener that kind of is confused by that term? Yeah, sure, happy happy to explain because this won't be the first time I've had to explain it. <laughs> um, I would say, you know, for, for one thing, you know, minimalist tiki, you know, like you said, is an oxymoron. So it, it grabs your attention. You know, if I said, you know, if I called it Matt's cool tiki book, well, no, right. not, not really grab you. But if you did minimalist tiki, you're like, what? what? What are you talking about? If you're, if you're intrigued, well, then you'll you'll dig in and, and see what I'm what I'm saying. The idea of minimalist tiki comes from my my sort of background again in technology and understanding things and and sort of like let's break things down into this into simple sort of simple regular pieces that you can understand like let's let's build let's build a you know a core understanding of of what tiki is and then we can explain you then we can get more complicated with it and then we can see where these recipes or you know 14 ingredient recipes come from but at the end of the day you know said so tiki drinks are you know some people would say tiki drinks are you know like elaborate planters punches um i think uh, i go even simpler i say it's basically you know elaborate daiquiri for lack of a better word you know it's like rum lime and sugar are the base of the tiki drinks right. and you know, and the idea is like, you know, pick, pick your rums, uh, pick your, you know, limes or lemons, you know, um, and then the, the sugar is like, well, that's where you get an interesting things like, like, you know, a passion fruit syrup versus a cinnamon syrup versus a, you know, a pineapple syrup. They're, but they're all, they all kind of have this core basic ingredients. Um, you know, they sort of start from a daiquiri and then you, you, but you layer on uh, other things. And so, you know, this was this was 
an idea that I did in the original article was I said, like, what is the core, what's the core essence of these classic tiki recipes? So I picked, uh, I think in the article, it's probably 15 or 20 and the book it's 30, pick 30 recipes, um, which is, you know, subjective somewhat, but you know, if you said like, I want 30 classic tiki recipes mm-hmm. and you know, nobody's going to quibble that the Mai Tai should be on there, that the jet pilot should be on there, that the three Dawson and dash should be on there. I picked 30 recipes that provide sort of like a, a thorough enough working set um, that that you can actually do very trivial data analysis and, and understand, oh, these are the these are the core elements of tiki drinks. And so those recipes, which I call the minimalist tiki classic 30, uh, I essentially for every recipe, I basically wrote down all of the ingredients and basically I put them in a grid and the grid is in the book. Right. Um, basically I have every ingredient. Let me interrupt you real quick. I've never seen it laid out like that. I mean, like I'm, I'm, I'm familiar with drinks that share common ingredients, but right. seeing it like mapped out like that, like in a spreadsheet pattern was right. kind of actually <clears throat> eye opening to me. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. It's funny. Like in, cause in my head, like mentally in my head, like I had the, I had like the, the the grid that's in the book ahead of my head and sort of like the end results, like in, in, mentally I would just go straight to the end results. But, you know, I understood, you know, if you, if you actually put the grid in there, people can wrap their heads around a, a little easier. But again, the idea is like, is that, you know, on the column on the left, you have the 30 ingredients, 30, the 30 recipes, and then going across the, the, um, are the, the ingredients. ingredients. Yeah. And, you know, the first part of doing this correctly is you have to sort of normalize things a little bit. So, like, I would lump various, like, various similar rums together into one style. So, like, one recipe might have called for, like, Don Q Gold, another might for Bacardi Gold. We're going to call that a, a lightly aged rum. Um, and so, you know, as some, somewhat subjectively, I had to lump, you know, lump different types of rum into or similar types of rum into a specific category. Like otherwise, you know, you'd have this infinitely, you know, infinitely long list of ingredients. Sure. Yeah. But basically lump things together into reasonable categories like like a lightly aged rum or lightly aged and filtered, a, a white rum, so to speak, or Jamaican rums or, uh, you know, Demerara overproof. Um, but the idea is again, pick, put all these ingredients, you know, in these columns, and uh, you get lumped the rums together. But then also further categorized by like, okay, these these uh, these these set of columns are the are the sweeteners, right, the right, syrups. right. But these sort of columns are the are the liqueurs. These sort of columns are the are the citrus. Right. These are the rums, and these columns are other base spirits. So, you know, I had to do things like like under liqueurs, like I'm putting Angostura along with Falernum, you know, an alcoholic right. Falernum along with, uh, you know, I don't think chartreuse is in there, but um, oh, uh, pimento dram, for example, basically categorize these ingredients. And then uh, you basically you could just run auto sum on each on each column and you can say like, oh, yeah. Jamaican rum is used in 15 out of 30 of these recipes. It's a pretty common ingredient. Yeah. And you yeah. can see or bitter is just used in 14 out of these 30 ingredients, out of these recipes. It's a very common ingredient. You should probably have Angostura bitters. You can see lime is used in 20 out of these 30 recipes. You're probably going to want lime, for example. And so the yeah. idea was to yeah. 
was to give you a a palette of ingredients and sort of prioritize like these are the most important things so the idea you know ultimately is like you you can understand that that okay tiki drinks you're going to need some sort you're going to need some citrus you're going to need some some syrups you're going to need some right. liqueurs and bitters you're going to need some rums and you're going to need some um some uh oh i had citrus juices whatever basically you're going to need some aspects of each category and you know these are the ones you want to start with you know, like limes are the most common, you know, citrus juice, uh, Jamaican rum is the most common rum, uh, simple syrup is the most common syrup. Start with these and and you can start making these, these sort of classics. Right, know, right, them. right. And then you can basically incrementally build out. And then you can build but, out from that. Yeah. yeah, you can build out from that. And then and then when, and once you're thinking like that, once you're thinking about like every every ingredient in a tea drink is in one of these categories – sort of you can then look at 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 the other more complicated recipes that come later and you're like oh okay this is really just a more elaborate version right, of right. sort of basic idea there, there's a, a school of thought about art for example that states that you must understand the fundamentals of art mm-hmm. such as composition and and color selection and color blending and palette and all that kind of stuff before you can change it to something that you want to do differently about it. And and that's what I think you're getting at here, where you see the common denominators with these recipes. And then when you see a more elaborate recipe down the road, something that's a little bit more complex, then you see how it's really just a little bit more of a modification uh, of the the base formula, right? Exactly, exactly. And, and I use the word formula because looking at your chart, the way that it's laid out, when I say that, oh, you know, I never have pictured it that way before, like the way that I have always approached building a cocktail is I use a, you know, I use formulas in my head, but I view them as mathematical formulas like x plus y plus, you know equals z something to that right. effect right where you plug in like you know x might be your spirit y might be your citrus or your or your um your juice um and then you know you have your, your different components basically for uh for your sweet your tart and your spirit and then there's just this there's a magical ratio actually that works with all of those right as long as you follow that same ratio you just plug in those variables and you'll get a halfway decent cocktail that if it's if it's a little bit off you just adjust it you know and um it's it's the same concept as what you're talking about here with minimalist tiki it just i just happened to like i just viewed it in a different way I i viewed it more from a mathematical perspective yeah, yeah ex- exactly i mean some some people have called the school of thought and actually i'll you know they'll switch out to different type of cocktails you think about um, um like uh cocktail patterns like the sure the negroni pattern it's like you're one you know one part of a base spirit one part of a bitter liqueur and one part of a vermouth that that's what i would call a negroni pattern of you know so you like so gin campari and sweet vermouth is a classic negroni but swap out gin for bourbon you get a, a boulevardier for example right and right. 
you know, same thing applies with Manhattans. Same thing applies with daiquiris. You know, you could you can or, or sours. You should say like you can right. you can take you know rum lime sugar and replace it with cognac lemon and and orange curacao and you get a sidecar. Um, the fundamental idea of like this is a sour pattern recipe or this is a Manhattan pattern recipe. Once you sort of like wrap your head around that, you conceptualize what that's truly meaning, then everything else just becomes so much simpler and becomes much easier to improvise right. and much easier to do substitutions, you know, when you need to, if you don't have something, well, what can I substitute? Right. Um, and, and this further backs up the argument that when you change one ingredient, you have a completely different drink mm-hmm. because, and I, I say this all the time, I've, I, you know, I've used the example of a Cuba Libre, you know, which um, is, which is rum, Coke and lime you change the Coke to ginger ale and now you've, you have a dark and stormy and you change the rum to vodka and now you have a Moscow mule, you know? Perfect. So, yeah. So that I use that example all the time and you know, with what you're saying too is like, Hey, so you change this spirit from, you know, from this to that. And now you have this other drink. Right. And again, it's just a, it's, it's the difference of changing one ingredient because I, I see that argument all the time. Well, that's really the same drink just because if you change, you know, no, it's not. Yeah, <laughs> I always exactly. argue that it's not. So, right. um, and I would say for, you know, in part one, which is minimalist Tiki is sort of like, I'm deliberately keeping everything very simple. You know, I'm not sure. Saying, like, oh, sure. You have ice and you need, you know, 30 different rums. I'm, I'm deliberately keeping simple. But then when they go into part two, which is beyond minimalist Tiki, <laughs> there's a section, which I'm, particularly proud of, of, you know, basically the improvisation section. And, you know, I give like the four different levels of improvisation, you know, from just tweaking the amount of an ingredient to tweaking out as one particular ingredient to wholesale, like I'm creating a, a tiki recipe from whole cloth, um, but still giving you guidance. Like here's like most of these tiki classics have follow this basic pattern of, you know, like one or two. Right, right. And some sort of citrus and some sort of, uh, you know, an optional fruit juice and some sort of something spicy in there. And, you know, once you kind of wrap your head around the pattern, you're like, oh, okay, I can I can improvise, you know, uh, ad nauseum. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and that, that, that's how – What I'm doing here, like, you know, we recently moved into our new new place in New Orleans, and I don't have my full bar set up. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, okay, well, I've got pineapple juice. I've got two types of syrups. I've got Valerna. I've got pimento dram. I've got four rum. Like, literally, I can I can make a pretty respectable tiki drink. Sure. That doesn't have a name, but, I, like, I know I know the pattern. And I'm like, oh, plug it, plug it in. Yep. Some people call it almost like Mr. Potato Head. Oh, I haven't heard it uh, described that way either. But again, I, I just go back to like a mathematical formula where you just fill in variables, right? And you know what What I say to people that are not as versed about cocktail creation is I tell them, look, this is how a lot of bartenders create a menu for a special event, you know? They, right. um, they, they use the same kind of principles, and then they use right. ingredients that fit those principles, but also match whatever theme it is that they're trying to do, you know, whatever that exactly. particular event is. And then they can creatively name that drink to, to match the event. Um, so this formula or this approach that you've illustrated fits for what most people know as tropical cocktails or tiki drinks. Uh, and we'll talk about the difference between that. But there is 
a different component happening with drinks such as the painkiller mm-hmm. and the pina colada and that and those kind of drinks that people still associate with tiki. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about how mm-hmm. that is. It kind of throws a wrench into, th- into this thing because we're, you know I I know that a lot of people think a painkiller is a tiki drink, but it right. is not a tiki drink. Explain. Explain the reason why. Right. Yeah. So this is this is something I, I you know nowhere else supposed to talk about religion, but I'd say, I'd say this is a one of those sort of religious arguments as to what is what is a tiki drink or not. Um, uh, I actually go into that in the beginning of the book, and I you know I say you know that you could say you you know you could say for example tiki drinks must have some sort of sour component, um, and so that by you know by definition would would eliminate the the um the painkiller or the or the uh, pina colada you know i always think of it as a painkiller it's just an, an augmented um pina colada with some different rum but um you know there, there's is a certain certain aspect of like you know it when you see it like you know you could you could go back and look at things like the proto tiki stuff like you know is the queen's park swizzle tiki and you know, and some people, you know, would say, well, you know, it predates, you know, 1934 and Don DeBeach so it's not, it's not tiki technically. And, you know, and I feel like I can have those sort of, you know, debates with people and, you know, mm-hmm. pick a side, I'd probably defend it reasonably well. Um, but I, um, I do include the painkiller in the book. And I, you know, I said, you know, I know it's controversial and I know some people think of painkillers and horrible drink, but other people like them and, you know, I and I give sort of two proof points. I said, A, uh, Jeff Barry put it in his Total Tiki app, and B, you can go to pretty much any decent uh, tiki bar anywhere around the world, and that could probably make you a pretty decent painkiller. So, you know, it, mm-hmm. it's, you know, it's, it's, you know, pick, 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 pick your definition and stick with it, but I, I'm not. I'm not somebody who's a like particularly religious purist about that's not tiki or that is tiki per se, you know. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I guess what I'm getting at is, you know, f- for someone like yourself and and myself who understand why the painkiller is not a tiki drink, even though it is in in served in a lot of tiki bars and and a lot of tiki recipe books, is that it doesn't fit the the basically the classic formula that we're talking about of rum, lime and sugar. Yeah. Rum, lemon sugar, or even, you know, the, the, you know, one of sour, two or three. Right. Right. Wrong. Right. You know, for the book, you know, I, I, I be very technically accurate. So I say we're, when I define minimalist Tiki classic 30, I sort of call it, you know, some during the golden age. So between 1934 and when Tiki kind of, you know, went right, off the rails right. or, or got, got abandoned, which is sort of the late sixties, early seventies, um, which then brings up the interesting question of, well, is a uh, is a jungle bird tiki? And you know, I you know, in my heart, I think it is kind of a tiki drink. I think it's sort of maybe one of the first of the next, you know, sort of like the tiki revival, even if it was you know, twenty years predated it. But you know, it it works. You know, I think it work can work as a as a tiki drink. Um, uh, but Campari is something you don't see uh, in in those you know sort of like the classic tiki palette. Right. Um, so it's it there's there's a certain amount of fluidity in there and like you know pick what you want but you know but again it's sort of like a painkiller you can you can go to any great tiki bar and they can make you a jungle bird sure um, yeah as well so 
I'm 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 a fan of like un- understanding the pattern and understanding like the what how things work, but then also saying like, and then there's some things which are just oddball, you know, things, and and you can just accept and understand them as these oddball things, like like the Angostura colada, for example, which is mm-hmm. in the book. It's just like it's like where does this come from? Right. It's weird, but it works, you know. Right. Well, accepting the oddball thing is. Um that that is, um, for lack of a better term, acceptable to me. <laughs> I'm just saying, exactly. like you know what, this particular thing is an anomaly, but but it yeah. it belongs. You know, it fits. Yeah. If you, uh, if you try to put everything, you know, if you try to create a grid and put everything into its precise place on the grid, you're just gonna go nuts. Right. Know? But no. But understand, like, okay, this doesn't work in the grid. And that's okay. Right. That's right. So along these lines of again going back to these particular concepts of what minimalist tiki is for somebody that is trying to follow this particular formula what would you recommend that they keep as essentials in their bar okay so i can i can answer that that's actually in the book oh look it turned right right to that to that page um page 16 um, it, it lists each of the, the what I call them the categories, ingredient categories, mm-hmm. which are rums, other base spirits, liqueurs and bitters, syrups and citrus. And then within each subcategory, for example, the top, the top, uh, the top sort of two or three rums are lightly aged, or I'm sorry, aged Jamaican rums, a lightly aged and filtered rum, what some people would call a white rum, uh, and a moderately aged rum, say like a Mount Gay Eclipse, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, in, in H. Demerara rum is number four. Um, for other base spirits, uh, brandy and cognac get used a fair amount. Gin gets used a fair amount. For liqueurs and bitters, um, Angostura is used a lot. Falernum is used a lot. Um, Pernod, uh, herb saints, absinthe. Um, and that's kind of a weird one, people. They may not you know, like understand, but that, that seemed to be like a classic um, Don de Beachcomber signature. It's like six mm. drops of Pernod, mm-hmm. for example. Uh, Curacao and orange liqueur, uh, under syrups, the most the most prevalent syrup is simple syrup, followed by uh, a tie between orgeat and passion fruit, and then a little bit lower than that is grenadine and honey mix, um, a little bit less than that is cinnamon syrup, and then under citrus, um, the the dominant of any ingredient, the ones used in the most most tiki drinks of the minimal tiki classic 30 line 20 out of 30 uh recipes right, right. uh or, orange is number two at only half that like 11 out of 30 lemon at 10 out of 30 pineapple seven out of 30 it's grapefruit six out of 30 so you know you don't you, you know in the book you can you could literally just go buy all those things but you could even you could also just sort of pick like the top two or three from each category yep. and you know, and probably make a pretty decent head start on it. Yeah. And in fact, just just to um, just to sort of you know, further illustrate this, uh, it's like if you took the most common rum, which is an aged Jamaican rum, and the most common liqueurs and bitter, which would be um, Angostura bitters, and uh, the most common syrup, which would be a simple syrup, and the most common citrus, which would be a lime, you put those things together, you get you get the the Remsburg uh, Planters Punch. Uh, the recipe is is in the, is in the book. So it's sort of like you you can prove this concept by taking well here's the ingredients we have identified the most common. And if we take the most common ingredient from each category and blend them together, do you get a good drink? And yes, and yes, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So 
let me ask you a couple personal questions. Yeah. After having spoken with you about your rum experience and your cocktail experience, which bar is is well? Let me start with this. Like, who do you think has the best bar in the world, or which is the best bar in the world for you? Let's say, say in the United States, and then the I don't know how well traveled you are, but uh, and then the world. Well, fairly well. Um, oh God, I, 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 I can make a lot of enemies with you, my answer. But, <laughs> but no, look, you know, it's, it's hard to answer. I, I loved, I loved them. And, you know, I love all my friends in the bar industry. And yeah, I, love the yeah. bar. I would say, I mean, I can answer truthfully that the, the bar that I have spent the, the most amount of time in of any, you know, far above any other bar, uh, was Rumba in Seattle. Okay. Um, it doesn't hurt that they have, you know, like 650 or 700 different rums. Um, it, it was close. I think it was some some degree destiny that Lumba was only like three miles from my house. So, okay. Like I was growing involving them with rum at the same time. Would you consider them your favorite bar? So, I mean. Because those those two are not always one and the same. Exactly. Um, it's, it's it's really like I'm I'm not trying to duck out of an answer. It's really hard. Like I will say, like for example, uh, probably second most favorite second bar I spent the most time in is probably with Jason Alexander down in, at Devil's Reef. Like, okay. Um, that you know that's my happy time. It's like Jason and I. Okay. We're just gonna sure. geek out. He's gonna. I'm not even gonna ask to see him in you because I know he's just gonna make me make me something amazing like off the top of his head that he figured out earlier in the day. And at some point, like interesting rums are going to appear in front of me. And it's just a really, it's a really great time. Yeah. Uh, that said, I mean, I've also had, you know, incredibly, incredibly amazing experiences, you know, like at Pagan Idol. Um, I, I love to go to Canon in Seattle. It's not a tiki bar, but um, they, they have a great craft cocktail program. Sure. sure. Uh, big whiskey selection. Um, you know, I, I, you know, I love Smuggers Cove, um, in San Francisco. Now, now that I live in new Orleans, you know, say like latitude 29 is close by and, and latitude, you know, my experience is the most consistently, uh, perfect, precise, like, like every, every cot, you know, like everybody yeah, yeah. tastes exactly the same as it did the other times. And every, yeah. every rum barrel tastes exactly the same. And they're always perfectly garnished. It's like they execute, execute, flawlessly yeah, and I've never yeah. had a bad drink there I've never had a had a less than stellar you know experience yeah, yeah. So. so I'm going to answer these questions along with you so here's what I want to say for myself I think that the best bar for me and this is best bar is a very generic I right. mean like it it's it's what do I mean by best bar do I mean best experience do I mean best customer service do I mean best cocktails so I'm just going to say collectively speaking and overall because this is the feeling that I always get. The best bar for me in the United States and the world is the Molokai bar because it just really it just really takes me away when I'm there. Oh, at, at, at the Maikai. At the Maikai. Um, yeah. But it's not my favorite bar. My favorite bar is the Tiki Tea. And the reason why it's my favorite bar is because of the camaraderie I have with – not only the patrons, but the relationship I have with the family there. Exactly. exactly. And so, exactly. you know, the, the cocktails are, they're decent. They're not the craftiest. You know, they, right. don't, they don't use the best ingredients and they're, you know, they, they, they've learned to be as efficient as possible with the ingredients they use and their profit margin. And that's okay. I mean, they're running a business, but it's, it's my favorite bar. 
Um, so now I'm going to go to the, the next couple questions. And so two questions that I have here, and again, these are, are not always one and the same. What is your favorite cocktail to make? And what's your favorite cocktail to drink? Oh, my. Uh, my favorite cocktail to make, uh, I would say that it's like my my go-to, the one that like whenever I have somebody over I'm like, and they're like, oh, we've heard you make cocktails. And like, <laughs> I'm like, oh, well, yes, we do actually here. Uh, I am I sort of, you know, especially when I'm trying to introduce somebody to Tiki, like they're uh-huh. they're intrigued but not quite sure what it is or right or um is is the, the classic 44 mai tai that's that's sort of my okay. default happy okay drink. there you go but, you know i don't i don't when i don't uh when i don't want to think too hard when i just like you know it's been a good day and i just want to like enjoy a drink and i'm gonna make 44 mai tai and i'm gonna play around with different rums and yeah you know, and and amp up the funk sometimes and sometimes not um that's sort of so that's sort of one like the memory is is you know engraved in my brain i can make it my sleep um and it's fun to it's fun to like use to introduce people to tiki and and especially the one like i don't know i don't like tiki because one is sweet and the tiki drinks are too sweet and then you watch their reaction we're like oh my god yeah yeah like, but this doesn't have orange juice and a you know and a and a and a black rum float on it. Like I know, right? <laughs> now, do you tell uh, them the story of the mai tai as you make it? Uh, I do. You know, I love to, you know love to tell the you know I love to you know like ask the question like where do you think tiki was invented? Yeah, inevitably I, you know get Polynesia or like or, you know or Fiji or something right, like right. so you go. Oakland. <laughs> right. I always feel compelled to tell the story of the Mai Tai when I'm making it for a non-Tiki person because it's exactly. such an interesting story. You know? Yeah, it's a great story. I love, I love to do that. Yeah, yeah. So what's your favorite um, cocktail to drink? Oh, Lord. Um, that's a hard one. Um, I, have, I, don't, I have so many. You know, you know, part of me wants to say, like, whatever the hell Jason is, is just making. <laughs> Jason <laughs> makes great drinks. <laughs> amazing drinks. Um, I, you know, I'm, I'm a, you know, if you can pull off a jet pilot that's, that's real, well done, then, uh-huh. then, then a, a jet pilot um, or or a really excellent Navy Grog. Um, and like Latitude's Navy, Navy Grog is, is like okay. spot on. Okay. So... Here are my answers to those two questions. So my favorite yeah. cocktail to make is because since I'm a lazy person and, and and I tend to chatter when I have guests here is like a dark and stormy. It's so freaking easy. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> and um, it's not my favorite to serve. Uh, I like serving something that's a little bit more elaborate. Um, right. And that it just depends on my mood, depending on, you know, what I want to serve. But if it's a, for a non-tiki person, the more garnished the drink, the more wow factor I get out of their reaction, you know, and, and right. I really get a kick out of that. So I don't have a specific drink for that. Okay. So my favorite cocktail to drink, that changes from time to time. But I'll tell you, my palate really favors the cocktails at Smuggler's Cove or mm-hmm. False Idol. They they actually kind of taste very similar to me. Mm-hmm. You know, the False Idol drinks and the Smuggler's Cove drinks. Yeah, and, yeah. And um, that my palate really favors that. If I had to pick one drink, sometimes it's the Ray's Mistake. Sometimes it's a Sidewinder's Fang. Right. Sometimes it's yeah. a really good 
Mai Tai. You know, right. I don't normally like Mai Tais because they, in my mind, they're kind of inconsistent, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't mean like even, you know, going and getting one at Applebee's versus getting one at Trader yeah, Vic's. Yeah, yeah. But even when I go from one craft cocktail bar to another, they can be inconsistent to me. And so yeah. uh, it's, it's not really my go-to. But speaking of go-tos, if you found yourself... In something like an Applebee's, eh, let's not say Applebee's. Let's just say that you found yourself in a non-craft cocktail right. environment. Right. What would your go-to be if you you were forced to pick something? Okay, so I would I would evaluate the situation if I had a sense that they could that they could pull off a, a Boulevardier or possibly a Negroni. Um, you know, without screwing it up, I would go that direction, you know, simple, like it's one, 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 right. See, you've got all the ingredients <laughs> right. and please don't put, please don't put those in the shaker. Um, uh, so there's <laughs> that. And then in the absence of that, like, it was like really like, okay, I have no confidence. Then I'm going to drink spirits neat. I, I love Yeah. Them. I love yeah. That was going to be my answer is, is neat. Yeah. yeah. Throw, throw, it in a, throw it in a decent glass and, and I'll, I'm happy to enjoy that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I want to say thank you for taking the time on this Aloha Friday to join us on Inside the Desert Oasis Room. And well, I appreciate it. I appreciate you sending me this book. Before we wrap, let's give our listeners all the information they need to get this book. Where can we find the book? And let's throw out all your social media and website and all that kind of stuff. Sure. Sure. Okay. So the book is the book is not on Amazon. Everybody everybody asks that, uh, but no, we we sell it directly. So you know we we make we make more of the money, and that's that's what allows yeah, us to yeah. to do this and to go work on the rum book next. Um, but yeah, it's really easy. It's the title of the book, um, all one word: minimalisttiki.com. That's a, that's our website, and you can order it there. Um, so minimalisttiki.com is for the book. And uh, in terms of social media, um, I'm, I, Cocktail Wonk is, is there's not a lot of contention for it. So um, my, the blog is Cocktail Wonk, W-O-N-K, CocktailWonk.com. Uh, I have a Facebook uh, feed or Facebook uh, page uh, called Cocktail Wonk. Um, I also have another Facebook page called Rum History. I'm here at Rum Geek. Uh, Rum History has some has some interesting things that I've discovered during you know my rum research. Uh, maybe rum in, in that book and all those kind of things. Separate separate topic. Uh, but rum Ronk, Rum Walk and Cocktail Wonk on Facebook, and then on Instagram, uh, again Cocktail Wonk and Rum Walk, and um, Minimalist Minimalist Tiki is also on Instagram. Oh, okay. And, Twitter uh, is Cocktail Wonk. So Cocktail Wonk and Minimalist Tiki. Try it. Try it. And eventually you'll find it. There you go. So for our listeners, I met Matt at Hukilau this year. And I did that back bar tour with you, but we didn't really get to chat. There was, we were kind of what rushed through it because they, they were getting ready to open for the dinner service. And there were so many people on the tour. I think there was people that kind of, you know, wandered into the tour that were, maybe not supposed to be in the tour. Right, and right. so it was, yeah. there was, there was more people there than it, than comfortably could be accommodated. Yeah. Right. But you know, when someone told me, Oh yeah, he's cocktail wonk. I thought, Oh, so I never associated your, your real name with cocktail wonk. I never knew who cocktail wonk was. Yeah. 
And <laughs> so, so it was an, it was a neat discovery for me. And I got to say, I'm curious who's taking your photos for Cocktail Wonk on your Instagram page because they're beautifully done, just like the book. Well, thank you. Yeah, that was um, it's funny is is I, I came up, in, you know, Instagram had played a large, fairly large part in my sort of rise to to visibility. Um, and but my my ethos with Instagram was all like, you know, I'm making this drink to drink it and I want it to be pretty and I want it to look, yeah. look good, but I'm not going to spend an hour staging the drink and, you know, and like toss it away at the end because it's all watery. Like it's like. How much can I do? You know, if I, I don't want to spend two or three minutes, more than two or three minutes, screwing around and editing the photo, like I want to drink the damn thing. Right, so, right. Uh, it's it's very much of a you know it's 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 high high homebrew photography. <laughs> well, it looks very good. Yeah, I'm actually I'm looking yeah. at it right now. So yeah, yeah. And there's plenty of those photos in the book. You can easily tell. At least I can. Like these are my photos, and then you know the professional photos by uh, a guy named Justin Alford who did like the cover of the book. Like those are gorgeous. And yeah. we said like, we can't do all my photos. Yeah. It's kind of easy, but <laughs> like, we can blend the two together. Right. Um, to sort of show like, this is how music can look, but then also like, you know, this is, you know, to a certain extent, I think my photos are kind of like, like I like to think they're aspirational. Like, you're like people can say like, oh, you know, this is like a guy who didn't, doesn't have a photo studio and he shot it with an iPhone, but it looks pretty good. It looks, uh, like, it I looks really good. Something like that. It looks really good. And I love that there are so many pictures with pairs of cocktails. And the reason why there's two in each picture is because one is for Matt and one is for his wife. Yes. That's, so, that's so there you go. And you would know that if you bought the book. So go out there and buy the yeah. book. So, yes. again, thank you for joining us and speaking with us about this new book. And for our listeners out there that have any questions, comments, you just want to leave a shout out for Matt at our group page inside the Desert Oasis Room on Facebook. Right. And you can also also like my, my email, cocktailwonk at gmail.com. Cocktailwonk at gmail.com. And there you go. All right. Well, thanks again, Matt. And no, I'm, I'm going to crack open your book tonight and make a couple drinks out of this. Sounds good. Why not, right? Post some pictures. Oh, I will. All okay, right. party people. We'll talk to you soon. Cheers and Cheers. aloha. Aloha. Aloha.